0: you're listening to Ooy Patla
1: Patla Yeah. Two I'm a yeah. Yeah. And hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and all things modern culture. I am here to help you become the best you. I uh, hope you're doing well and staying safe and healthy news flash. We're still in coronavirus times. COVID-19 is still a thing and it probably will be for a while longer. So this is my request slash demand command. I don't know, being a jerk about it. Wear your masks. It's not a big deal. It's not expensive. If And I'm not making light of that. Um, I'm just saying there are things that are more expensive out there. You can uh, hopefully spend a few dollars to prevent having to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on hospital bills and tremendous physical and emotional stress by wearing a mask. So consider it an investment in in your health and safety and in the health and safety of others. This is not a political statement. I'm not here for that. I'm not here for that noise because I go by science. And uh, it is proving to be a very key component in preventing the spread of coronavirus to others, especially when you're out in public spaces, especially when you're around other people. Um, I personally take offense if like someone's near me and they're not wearing a mask. I just I feel offended. I'm like, you're not looking out for me and you're not looking out for yourself. Love yourself. Who hurt you? Anyway, and um, that's a turn into a psychoanalysis, but it is important. Please take care and be courteous to others. And there are more and more cases and uh, more evidence that's proving that it is important. Okay? I wouldn't spend this much time in my intro when we have important things to discuss in a podcast episode if I didn't really care or believe that it's very important to wear a mask. So please do it. Um, Also, I want to send lots of light and love out to everybody. It has been definitely, at least in the States and in a lot of other parts of the world who've been joining in solidarity, a very uh, intense time for racial justice, for the Black Lives Matter movement. There has been um, protests and a lot of movement uh, in systems with police, with uh, government, with families and friendships and relationships and communities like just across the board it's been an incredibly intense time and i just want to note that i'm i'm here for you all as much as humanly possible i'm sending all my love out to you who've been part of this fight to undo something that has been taking hold of our country our world Uh, for centuries at this point. There's a lot that we're unpacking. It is incredibly intense. Um, I started that conversation with Nika Wright last week with our Black Lives Matter episode. Was it last week? I have no sense of time. I apologize. Um, But that was a really great conversation. But just, again, the tip of the iceberg in terms of all that we're endeavoring to deal with right now. So in light of that, I want to give space to everybody and encouragement to everybody who is, who is caring about this, who's uh, shouldering that burden for themselves, for each other, for their community, just to, to take care of yourselves. Um, I think right now we're at a point where we're recognizing that the fight really is the long game. We knew this going in, but we were kind of dealing with a very acute instance of, Pain and recognition and realization and awakening. So that was that was very intense. There's still a lot happening now. Um, there have been deaths. There have been, you know, continuous just. It's a lot. It's a uh, there there are continuous incidences that that are happening layered on top of the fact that there's still racist hate crimes happening against Asian Americans, towards indigenous people. Like there are many, many fights that are happening simultaneously and at least in America there's a collective um a stressor of the upcoming elections what that's going to look like how we need to take in information what to do with that information how these elections are even going to take place so we're entering the tail end of june right now um but november is going to come quick and there's a lot that's happening around the world like again the world's getting smaller we're all recognizing how we influence and interact with each other so just taking a point to recognize there's a lot happening and um I hope that you guys are all doing the best that you can to take care of yourselves. The c- conversation here, at least, and first of all, podcast will continue. Um, I've already recorded several episodes that I'm really excited to share and that are scheduled in terms of not just the self-care part, not terms of just um, how we are dealing with all this as individuals, but uh, conversations about allyship, conversations about the uh, justice system, and the criminal justice system. I sit down with my friend Kwok, who's a public defender, and he educates me, and we get to talk through a lot of different layers about understanding the systems at play. Uh, There are more conversations to come, and hopefully they will be educational. Hopefully they will be inspiring. Hopefully they will be empowering, because again, this is a long game, and we all have our, our part in contributing to the betterment of society to the betterment of humanity to our resilience and to our overcoming this really difficult moment um but i'm also a firm believer that our most difficult moments are very are very key and crucial to our development they're you know their milestones they are not singular like they're not the only defining moments but they are defining moments and how we deal with crises and how we deal with hardship uh, can kind of set the foundation and set the stage for how we continue to grow as people. So let's just take that all in. Uh, I know today's episode, this week's episode is something lighter, but to me, honestly, something incredibly meaningful. And it's not to detract from the attention of the racial injustice uh, that's happening and the movements that are are being undertaken. These are all parts of our daily lives. And so they all deserve attention. And I just want to take some time at at the intro of this episode to, you know, shine light on that. We're all dealing with it. And I apologize in advance because if at any time in the intro or in these episodes, I become incoherent. It's because my brain's really tired. And that's just my personal reflection on it. I'm having difficulty formulating complete thoughts at certain times. And these are all indicative of the fact that we're dealing with a lot of stuff. (laughs) And, um, We have thresholds, we have limitations, and we just need to learn how to work within them. I'm literally recalibrating every freaking day to check in with myself, how I'm feeling, how my brain seems to be functioning, what I can do to best support myself, and be really gentle because as we're caring about so many different things and juggling so many things, I think it's imperative for us to do that. Um, It's been imperative for me at least. I can only vouch for myself. It has been very, very important for me to Check in and not overextend myself. So that's that. Um, Please look into how you can contribute. Sorry, that's not that. (laughs) Let's take it back. Retract my previous statement. Um. As we're continuing this fight, I really do encourage people to figure out how they can contribute. Everybody can contribute something, whether that's something that's happening in your interpersonal relationships. If that's something you want to take to your local government, write a letter, make a call, um, you know, support a protest, support the funds, the many, many funds that are out there. I've been donating to the Equal Justice Initiative, um, which is the subject of the film Just Mercy. If you guys haven't watched that, even watching something can be educational. There's tons of resources out on YouTube. I've watched 13th. That that documentary alone has blown my mind so much, and there's so much to impact there, which we'll go into. Um, but educate yourself. Watch a documentary. Watch Just Mercy. It's incredible acting, and it's an incredible story on top of everything. And... Um, watch a documentary on your own community. For If you're Asian American, I know a lot of Asian Americans listen to my podcast. Go to PBS, watch the Asian Americans docuseries. There are so many resources out there. Shout out to my friend Bound Nguyen, who just did a documentary that was released on ESPN called Be Water about Bruce Lee. That has a, an amazing lens on Bruce Lee as a leading man, a martial arts hero, but also him as a man of color who is trying to breakthrough in Hollywood in the 70s and the barriers that he faced there's so many ways to look at all of these different um, experiences that are happening and therefore shedding light on the ways that we can contribute to solutions uh you can also donate to the NAACP you can donate to the ACLU who are doing so many important cases for civil rights and just be part of the solution you know these are all ways that we can contribute. That are, uh, that are that are good to the larger society. That can help us feel like we are doing something meaningful and fulfill a sense of purpose, and not just sit there with thoughts and feelings that can stress us out. Like channel that, put that somewhere. And if you need to think about your anger, which I talk about recently, go to my channeling anger episode. <laughs> um, but yeah. Take care of yourself, but also figure out how you can contribute. Together, we can make a huge, huge difference. A little bit from a lot of people goes a very long way. So, do not count yourself out. I really encourage you. And I thank everybody who's been contributing, even on their social media platforms. I'm learning so much through all my friends who've been sharing such great resources. And I thank you all for that. Even that, you know, just that's free. It's free 99. We're all on social media anyway. Uh, voice your opinions, show solidarity, be there for a friend, support one another, educate yourself. So many things. Okay, so that really is that in terms of uh, the racial justice aspect and just civil rights in general. There's a lot of other ways that we can contribute. Go do it. I love you. I believe in you. Now, on to the intro of this episode. Um, one of my favorite topics, and one of the clear favorite topics of my first of all podcast audience, we're going to talk about dating and love in the time of COVID. Uh, for this one, this has been a long time coming. We, I actually recorded this several weeks ago. So if there's any contextual time discrepancies, please be forgiving of that. Um, but I got to sit down with my friends, Julie. Craft Chick, who I've actually known in San Francisco, in the Bay Area for many years, and her co-host Yue Zhu from the Dateable podcast, which is one of the top podcasts about dating, love, and sex. Um, On their podcast, they talk with real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts to date fails and diaper fetishes and first moves to first loves. I will be covering some of those topics here in First of All, because dating and romance and love is something that I could talk about for days and days and days and years and years, forever and ever, never really get bored of it. Um, and I think that there's a strong connection to what we experience in our dating lives, to the rest of everything that I talk about here on First of All, uh, with self-development, with leadership, with you know, systemic racism, all of it. I mean, dating and love and relationship is such a key part of our lives. It's how we align with others, how we align with ourselves, how we um, compare and contrast values, what we're attracted to, what we want to build with, like it's all in there. So I'm just really, really excited to share this episode with all of you because in the time of the coronavirus which is a public health crisis and something that is affecting our daily lives our economy everything definitely in there is dating and relationships many of us most of us hopefully have been quarantined a lot of us have been isolated from others not everybody is living with uh roommates or family or anything you know a lot of us have been alone much like myself I've been quarantined with my roommate Chris who lives his life playing um of legends, amongst other things, and doing his work. And I basically feel like I've just been isolated for the vast majority of the last three months. Um we're all experiencing different things and interacting and connecting with people differently. I went through a breakup, you know, right before lockdown happened, and that was its own roller coaster leading up to being in quarantine. So we just want to talk through all these different things, how we're going to connect with others, how we're going to relate to others moving forward and just our past experiences. So UA is a former TV personality and she's a dating coach who's worked with clients around the world. And Julie is a technologist and a researcher focused on human connections and relationships. Um yeah, it's a doozy. We we have a really good time in this episode. They're actually coming out this week with the episode that I was a guest on there. So I hope that you check that out because it is a different conversation and maybe an extension of this one. So if this one you know tickles your fancy and gives you some some good things to think about which it definitely did for me. Hope you'll go check out their podcast cuz it's it's coming out right after this one and it'll be a continuation of some of these topics. So yeah, I hope that you enjoy this. If you have any feedback and want to link up, uh, ask more questions, I'm getting more engaged on social media. Follow me at first of all pod. You can follow my personal page page at Minjeezy. And um, yeah, check out Dateable Podcast because they're amazing and has so many funny and insightful stories on there. And without further ado, here is Love and Romance in the Time of COVID with Yue Zhu and Julie Krafchick from Dateable Podcast. Enjoy! Hey,
2: so what is new? Just waiting in queue. You done on me what was done on you. how are you doing
1: we're good how are you doing girl oh you know as best as one can be in In times like
2: these crazy time that we're at (laughs) i know it's like when someone asks how you're doing it's like the default is good but it's like are you are you really doing good right now you know it's such a loaded question (laughs) like i
1: genuinely i was like i don't want to lie but I don't know if I can tell you the truth because I don't know if we have time for that. Tell us the between.
0: truth. Well, you never told us if you actually put on the red lipstick you were talking about.
1: Okay. So I started <laughs> and this is this is the state of my life is that I started the red lipstick thing. So it's like a blushy pink right now. I didn't commit to the whole red. <laughs> well, that's Okay. <laughs> a
0: gradient
2: of red it's all
1: good you know it's like a, it's like a K-pop lip gradient I like that I love that you gave it the name
2: <laughs> love it um, I've been putting on makeup because I feel like I just need to because I'm like I'm starting to just wear sweats every day and I'm like this is not good I need, to, yeah, I, need no to, I need to switch this up ASAP
1: 100% I was wearing workout clothes every single day I think the first two months because we're past the two like we're oh, at yeah. what two and a half months almost three now yeah We needed to switch up out of the the workout clothes.
0: No, I'm still in the workout clothes. I actually changed a top because I actually had to go into work this morning or today. So I kept my workout bottoms, but I switched out the top just to, you know... (laughs) Keeping things fresh. Guilty of that as well.
2: I admit I'm definitely in yoga pants, but I got the top on too, so it's it's halfway there. We're getting there, little by little. We're
1: getting there. It's a gradual. It's a gradual coming back to life. I appreciate that. We're very see, and this is setting a good stage because we're going to be very real about all the things that we talk about. And I just want to take a second to praise you guys again. I sang your praises in the intro, but I really appreciate the candid conversations in general obviously I appreciate that's that's my vibe but I love what you guys talk about in your podcast in dateable um thank you
0: (laughs) and we love what you talk about on your podcast too and that's why we're doing this we're doing hence the (laughs) collabo.
1: yeah finally Finally. and and I was just catching up with Julie before we started recording that you guys have been recording your podcast for four years now
2: yeah
0: over four years
2: 2016. It kind of started on a whim. We didn't really even know what podcasts were. And UA and I were in a bar. And we're like, you know what? Let's do a podcast. And then we just kind of went from there.
0: I that's feel like amazing. That's how all po- podcasts would start. It's just like you're at a bar. You're <laughs> drunk, and you're like, we should do a podcast.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's so funny because now podcasts are a thing. They've they've had their ramp up time to become a legitimate content you know, platform. Because right. before mm-hmm. I think there was definitely like a niche crowd that was into the podcast universe. They they knew the shows, they knew the hosts, but it wasn't, I don't feel like it was a for everyone
2: oh, universe. no. no especially now in it's 2016. Really different. We were like literally on SoundCloud back then because there were no mm-hmm. hosting platforms. Like it was so new at that point. We were just kind of we didn't think anyone would listen. Like we started off as dating stories with our friends and we're like, is anyone even listening to this that we don't know? And right. then we just got like magically picked up by Huffington Post and then it kind of started to escalate from there.
1: That's Insane. I want to know more about this origin story before. I mean, because this is much about you guys as we're definitely going to talk about dating. So, anybody who's listening, hold your horses. We're going <laughs> to, we'll, we'll get, we're <laughs> we'll get, get, we'll get to, we'll get to the tea. But before, I'm sorry, this is my space and like, uh, it's my show. So, I want to know the tea on the origin story because I think that that's so cool to, I'm a very big believer in make things for yourself first, things that you're interested in. And yeah, it doesn't matter. Obviously, if you're making content, you want an audience and you want people to connect with it. That's the reason you're putting it out there. But you never know, right? right. And you never know like what kind of an impact you're making, how far it gets spread. But you guys just made it because it's something you wanted to talk about, right? And
2: mm-hmm.
1: how did how did Huffington Post happen? Like, did someone recommend you and then
2: well, or first, like it was a
1: topic?
0: It was up out. SF that picked us up. No, they found and, us from HuffPost, I think. Oh, I thought, the, I thought yeah. it was the other way around. I thought it was up, <laughs> out, then HuffPost. Oh, then I really don't know.
2: <laughs> you know, it all kind of like merges <laughs> together at that point. I'm pretty sure it was the opposite because I thought that's how they found us. But honestly, I think for both of them, it was not us reaching out to them. It was just pure luck at that point. That's someone, the right person happened to hear us.
1: That's awesome. And it's not even just like the right person, but it's like the message, something synced up. I'm very big on, you know, Mm -hmm. divine timing and putting out your truth and it'll, you know, magical happen that way. I'm very much believe and promote that. But that's really cool that whoever, whoever this magical person was.
0: <laughs> I know. Um, Thank you, magical person.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because it like and honestly, the things that I've heard from the episodes I've tuned into have been very therapeutic for me. It's just always not feeling alone or like clarifying what you might be going through in your
2: I, dating world. That's exactly what it is. And I think like when UA and I first met, and UA you can chime in on your side of the story, but uh UA was a dating coach and she had experience yeah outside and was fairly new to San Francisco where I had been for like my whole adult life. So kind of the way that people dated here was pretty much the norm to me, but I'll let you talk, but you felt like it was very different for you.
0: I mean, I was just mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is going on here? I had no idea. <laughs> I've never been in a city where, <laughs> where they're just clueless men out in the wild, but still, um, uh, But still people said this was such a great city to date for women. You know, it was like one of those things that, because before I moved to San Francisco, I remember everybody telling me, you're going to have the best time there. The numbers are in your favor. (laughs) And I get here and it's, I I equated to a middle school dance. Where there may be a ton of boys, you know, <laughs> there may be a ton of boys there, but they're not on the dance floor. I can tell you that. They're not dancing. They're just on the mm-hmm. dance floor. And all the women, all, all the girls are on one side, all the guys on the other side, and everyone's just trying to figure out like how to ask each other to dance. That's how I felt about San Francisco.
1: But, that is hilarious. They're playing hacky sack too in the corner and
0: I right, mean, exactly.
2: I think like what we've learned though from doing this, there's definitely differences in cities everywhere for sure, but there's also there's just more similarities than differences at the end of the day. I think we just started to notice a lot of them first here because it's sometimes more prominent with like dating apps being Developed in San Francisco, or like people just being a little more nonconformist and challenging traditional views. So mm. it's stuff that we started to really see trickle everywhere. And we actually started off as a dating and SF podcast because we thought we were so freaking unique. And then we realized we weren't at all. We realized that <laughs> it was the same shit everywhere that everyone was going through. So it was actually kind of a fascinating revelation that it was not, it was universal.
1: I think that's an incredibly important discovery to have and to document it too. Nonetheless, you know, like you're, it's shedding light on this concept that people might have about where they are. You know, they so like, oh, I'm in the south, and it's just like that here. And it's like, well, everyone in New York is so. I'm like, nah, bro, we're all <laughs> we're all confused and awkward and yep. uh, <laughs> noncommittal. <laughs> don't
0: Everyone's- know how to. <laughs> Everyone's bitching about their own cities and they think grass is greener across state lines when they're really not. (laughs) We face exact same issues and just moving out of your city will not solve any of your dating woes. I can guarantee you that. Yeah.
1: 100%.
2: I think that's like the quick fix, right? It's like, oh, well, if I change it. And I I think if you are like truly stuck and you want to move to another city to reset your life or you want to move to another city for another reason, like by all means, you should move. I'm not saying don't move and leave ever. But I think if the people that think that they're going to just move to another city to solve all the dating problems, there's just going to be the same problems in a different form there.
1: I think that's very sound uh, data to wrap one's head around, mm-hmm. um, because in general we are having new conversations that shed light on the realities versus like perceived realities this is something that I'm very big on at this current moment that I've been evaluating through COVID and um, my life in general in my 30s. Just like what are my perceived realities versus facts? Because facts matter in my mm-hmm. world, <laughs> right? Um, and how have I been kind of painting a certain picture that may not be you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and in what ways has that helped me maybe survive and cope? And how many ways has it kind of been to my detriment to not grasp reality for what it is? Sir, You know, the jury's out on that one. So I, I don't have a concluded, <laughs> conclusive uh, verdict for you, but that's stuff that I've been thinking about. And I applaud both of you because I think you do it with such humor and um just honesty, because we, we are not going to benefit from like putting on rose colored glasses about any of this shit as, as we, we know, um, trying to face facts, but you, I'm really curious. So you are a dating coach, but where did you go to San Francisco from?
0: I, so I was a dating coach in New York for seven years. And then wow. I moved to Beijing for two years where I also had some dating clients and I had some clients in LA and also Amsterdam randomly. Uh, yeah. So then coming to San Francisco, I also thought that I would pick up my business. And being here was when I decided I didn't want to be a dating coach anymore because I realized that I did not know what was going on in the dating scene. <laughs> I, I could not give any solid sound advice to anybody in San Francisco or anybody during that time because modern dating has changed so much. and my business was built, built upon gender roles. That's Mm. how I built my business. And that was, you know, back then, like this is over a decade ago in New York city too, where gender roles are very important and they're so cut and dry. So it was really easy to, I guess not easy, but it was more clear what, what I could benefit from in terms of a dating, dating business. But since things have really shifted. And since moving to San Francisco, which really set the foundation for kind of like modern dating scene, I realized that nobody knows how to date and nobody knows how to navigate through blurred gender roles. Right. And
2: that's only continuing to get more fuzzy, right? Especially with like Me Too and everything that happened there, just men are not taking on the same like dominance that they once did because they can't, right? Like there is a lot of that piece, but then also women have been evolving so much and don't necessarily want the same things that they once did. So it's a fascinating time though, because we kind of straddle like the new and old ways of thinking. So sometimes that just kind of results in a lot of confusion.
1: Right. Absolutely. I am oh my gosh, my wheels are spinning so hard right now. And, <laughs> and, to, and to further layer and to further add complexity and nuance, it's just, I mean, then we've also been, and it's been interesting for me as a podcast host to talk about dating in general, because the way that I'm speaking about dating has been very much in this framework of gender roles, but tons of my friends are gay or bi, and that is completely mm-hmm. irrelevant or, and in certain ways relevant, because even in some homosexual relationships, they take on certain gender roles, quote unquote, right? Like somebody's the more passive one or the more dominant one or what, like... It's it's all up in the air. So and and right. there's so many more ways that people date and define their happiness. Like before it was pretty straightforward, you date to get married. And marriage was like this goal or this this uh the touchdown zone that like yeah. you won. But now it's like, nah, bro, I don't want to get divorced in a handful of years and like lose half my assets and deal with attorneys and and mental <laughs> trauma. Um
0: so yeah, all of these things up- have shifted. You bring up a really good point, which is we had institutions for love and dating in the past. And even though we may not agree with them, they were a clear path for us. And that's why there wasn't that much turmoil for dating back then. But now because we're kind of like throwing a wrench into these institutions, we feel a little bit directionless. And I'm not saying like marriage is an institution everyone should follow, but it's almost like we we lost our beliefs in in what we think is true love, what we think is dating, and mm. we're just throwing all of ourselves into this black hole of nothing, of just unknown. And even though marriage may be something that people don't want anymore, what <laughs> is the alternative? And I think that's the stage we're in. We're all trying to figure out like. What is the alternative to marriage?
2: But I actually think that's like a beautiful thing. I think that's the most positive thing out of modern datings. Like Minji, you were saying we're like a generation that experienced the fallout of divorce, right? So it's Mm -hmm. made a lot of us gun shy to be in that relationship for the rest of our lives And we've also seen like terrible things like people cheating on each other and all of that. So I think that's given rise to like ethical non-monogamy or like different ways to approach it, understanding that some of this is kind of course of life and like, how can we reinvent and make a relationship that works for us? That's still like maintaining kind of like peace and harmony with everyone, because I think no one just wants to be hurt. And I think that feeling of hurt in relationships is causing us to really challenge like what are relationships should we even be in relationships or how can i make a relationship that will work for me
0: mhm I, then- I i yeah see this is a i think this is where i would disagree i think the this is what's causing the confusion in modern dating it's the unknowns but what is the beauty of the silver lining is that we are all trying to figure out the other institutions and creating our own traditions that are very different from our parents and our ancestors. But the, the last 10 years, I would say we've been in this black hole of too many choices where we mm. fail to make any real choices at all. Yeah, and yeah. we've finally come to a place where we're like, okay, stake in the ground. Let's make some choices now.
2: Yeah, that's definitely the fallout for sure of too many ch- options. But I think the people that have found their person or their calling or their multiple people or whatever they define have made it in a way that works for them opposed to just this pre-prescribed way that they felt like they had to do it. Totally. Yep.
1: I, I think that's so interesting to frame it in that way because what it makes me think of is the fact that I was listening to your guys' recent episode. I don't know if it's the most recent one at the time we're putting this out, but it was talking about, you know, do you actually want a relationship? And mm-hmm, the the, mm-hmm. the fundamental thing that sometimes we neglect to acknowledge in thinking about our standards, our expectations, our wishes and desires, our vision for what happiness is, is then you gotta find someone else who who might ideally be on the same page as you because right, if you right, want harmony right. in a relationship it takes more than one person to yes. create that so that's I think another layer of I feel like it's just going to be an ongoing rabbit hole like <laughs> let's look at all the ways that relationships are, are freaking difficult and <laughs> mm-hmm. try not to get stressed out but like and and that's why it's just fascinating to me Because it takes, if you are in a monogamous relationship, it takes two to tango. And to find somebody else who shares that vision, um, who shares those same priorities or is willing to compromise or negotiate to a certain degree in order to put in the effort to work with you for a prolonged period of time and be attractive enough for you to want to bone and, like, be intimate (laughs) with... (laughs) And, like, socially adequate that you can bring them around your friends and your family, like, and explain, like, this ambiguity
0: of said whatever label you guys are. (laughs) And Um, has the proper genetics and
2: antibodies.
0: You know, just stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. It's
2: like a needle in the haystack sometimes. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Sometimes that's the part that's, like, we have all this choice, right? We have all this hypothetical choice, yet for some reason it feels so difficult to find that person that meets all that criteria. And I think a lot of us, like, I think we're not the type two that are like, oh, they must be six feet tall or have like these hype, like all these superficial qualities. But we're even just talking about like basic stuff that you just said, Minji, like that's hard to find.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. But let's start with superficiality, shall we? Because I feel like that's a fun place. (laughs) Like, Let's start at the the top of the funnel, if you will. I mean... (laughs) Cause we're, we're, and, and, you know, to contextualize this conversation, we are professional women that are older, you know, and I have quite a few listeners who are younger and as young as high school and, um, you know, twenties for sure. And thirties and up, but there's a, there's a, for me personally, I've, one of the things I really celebrate at this point is how much I've changed as a person
2: mm-hmm. yes. and
1: how much my preferences or standards have changed because, it's either my maturity, you know, or like just where I'm at in life in terms of what I want next or what I'm ready for has changed. I'm curious what that's been like for you, um, in having your relationships. Cause I've, I, in a nutshell, I've been the serial monogamist who had serious boyfriend after serious boyfriend to varying degrees of like, Oh, we're going to get married like with each one, you know, mm-hmm. and like really kind of vetting them out in that aspect. But Looking back on it, definitely each one was a growth phase. I had a lot to mature on, even though at the time I thought I was so grown and, like, knew everything. Um, (laughs) And my preferences have definitely changed. And I still really do – not, like, top priority, but it's up there in the top three. I need to be physically attracted to them. And it's Mm -hmm. not like they all have the same stats, right? Right. Um, I don't think that's superficial,
2: that. though. To be, a, I feel like you no. have to be attracted. That's like baseline. Because if you think about Agreed. it in the reverse, like I would never want someone that's like, oh well, I'm dating Julie. She's really fun and interesting, but I'm not attracted to her. Like I would feel so shitty about that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, And I'd be like, tell Wait, this why to my grandma. I investing into this person that doesn't even want to like bone me, right? So it's like, yeah. I don't think that's unfair. I mean, I've been in situations where I've met someone that's been on paper great, and I just didn't look forward to the dates. And I remember like feeling like kind of cringeworthy when it came down to like kissing. And I'm like, this is not how I am. I'm like a super like physical touch is like my love language. I'm like this mm-hmm. cannot happen, right? And this is just not fair to this person because there's someone out there that would find this guy super attractive because there was nothing wrong with him. It's more of just it didn't jive for me. And I think that's Mm -hmm. important for people to think about. And we hear this all the time too on our podcast and with people is that they're just trying to get like all these, like, it's like a numbers game of how many swipes they can get. And they feel bad if they don't get enough. And it's like, at the end of the day, who cares as long as you find like that person that finds you attractive.
0: Right, there's a lid for every pot. The, the, The very important distinction though, and Minji, you made this distinction, which is, physical attraction doesn't equate to a type. Right. And I think that's when it becomes superficial is that I'm only attracted to someone six four and above brown hair, blue eyes. Right. That is superficial. Right. But having baseline physical attraction, that could be all different shapes and sizes and looks. And that's okay. As long as you're open-minded to knowing that you can be physically attracted to all sorts of different people. Yeah, and it's in the eye
2: sure. too, because I've certainly dated people before. My friends were like, that person is not an attractive guy, but I found him super attractive, right? So that's all that matters.
1: Right. That you get starry-eyed. Exactly. I bring this up because I just had a conversation with my grandmother
2: yesterday. <laughs> I was like, do you want us to call her right now? Just like, I <laughs> need you to talk to her.
1: I need you to get on the phone, and I need to have a Korean translator because... <laughs> I did my very best. And it's honestly, like, it's funny how good at Korean I get when there's, like, motivation to explain myself.
0: (laughs) Me Um, too. Me too. I'm the same way with Chinese. And, like, all these big words start coming out. you're like, I didn't even know. I knew that word. (laughs) Thank you. Exactly. I was like, I am so damn eloquent. My God. I need to... (laughs)
1: <laughs> but she was just going on the track and like she was kind of, I was trying to, in my butchered Korean, try to defend like it's not, I'm not saying I need, you know, Brad Pitt. You, I right. need somebody that I'm happy to like snuggle up with and make babies with and um because she was just harping on like. I, I don't know if it's because she's worried because I'm in my <laughs> mid thirties and unmarried. And she's just like, it doesn't matter. You know, like it's, it's just about if they're a good person and if they believe in God and, you know, setting all these criteria and I'm like, bless your heart. I love you. Thank you. And I'm trying to be a respectful granddaughter, but I was also like, nah, no, bro, no. Yeah, I,
2: rem- I
1: needs to, I needs to want to kiss him. Okay.
2: <laughs> that reminds me of that group chat that your mom was in UA. Trying oh my God, Yeah. She's-
0: <laughs> She's on a WeChat group for a single a parents of single kids who are over 30. I it's just oh. it's ridiculous and she they have like these secret meetups, virtual meetups where they present photos of their kids and see if anybody is interested. <laughs> oh. but, it, but the kids are completely removed from that. I'm sure there's something in Korean culture where they probably do something like that as 100%. well. 100%. Yeah. But, but what you're bringing up is exactly what I think about. If I were to go back to my middle school self right now, or let's say high school self, mm-hmm. and what would I tell myself? I would say, stay away from that boy because now I see him 20 years later and he is ugly. He's fat, he's like the three times divorced. That's where like, you're from- younger <laughs> listeners out there. <laughs> like, from my from your future self, I would say you are crying over a boy who is the biggest loser 20 years from now. But the 20, the the 18-year-old me or the 16-year-old me still had feelings. Those are true feelings. And that was my reality. And Mm -hmm. this is how I feel about our, our, um, elders, you know, our parents, our grandparents, they're like seeing it from the future where everyone's ugly past age 60, you know, like everyone's the same, they look the same. So they're like, why do looks even matter? But when we're still in a stage, and I think this is why we're in such a great place in life is we're still at an age where, we're still attractive. There's still attractive people out there, but we're mature enough. We make money. We're, this is a really good stage in life. So we should at least enjoy the good looking people out there.
2: But I think okay even when you get old and ugly, I still wanna remember (laughs) being attracted to my partner, right? (laughs) The memory of it. So if you're just like looking at them, let's say you're eighty or whatever, and you're looking at them and you're like, Oh, this person's not attractive, you can just remember what they were in their thirties and how excited it's the memory, right?
1: Yeah. And honestly, I mean, I'm, this is the oh, perhaps the overly romantic version in me. Like I'm thinking of the notebook and stuff, uh-huh. but I, I, I definitely, again, when I remember, I recall relationships and now, you know, after the relationship has passed and I don't have that emotional attachment anymore. I do remember like, yeah, when we were in love, yeah. even though empirically, objectively, not even really like my quote unquote type, if I, if I had one. And even now I'm like, well, I don't, I'm not attracted to this person this ex of mine but I remember when I was in love and when I had that emotional attachment the sun rose and set on them so I believe that like you know there's appreciation and it's not necessarily like because I would like to believe maybe this is a little uh overly hopeful but that my my husband for future husband would still find me beautiful or have mm-hmm. have that appreciation or that love or that desire to down the road when I'm you know, knock on wood if I live to be old and wrinkly and yeah um you know I I'm still on that notebook wave you guys I haven't gotten
2: off of I mean I think it's like you can't have it can't just be attraction only. Exactly. But it can't not be there. It can't be forced because it just doesn't end well anyway for that.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I think the one big difference between men and women is that for women to be physically attracted to a man, it's actually not just physical. A lot of it is the attitude, their personality, their vibe. When you walk into a bar, stats say 93% of women notice a man's eyes. It's not even like what they look like. It's just like the, the personality that they exude. Yeah. So mm. even when you say physical attraction is important, it's still like the entire package.
2: Yeah, I think Thank even, you. For, yes. I mean, I think men are more visual, yes. But we've talked to men and we're that have met their person or are excited about a certain woman. And sometimes it's hard for them to pinpoint exactly what it is about them. Like we had this one episode. That the guy was like, it was her scarf. And we're like, no, it wasn't. Like, it definitely wasn't her <laughs> right. scarf. But it was her whole vibe, he felt like it was just very confident and just eluded energy. And I think it is just the whole picture overall. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And I love that. That's the part of romance that I I am enamored with. It's the X factor. Because to mm-hmm. me, it's um, you know, you can't, you can, you can break down criteria or Or traits and you know kind of try to make it into some kind of a formula but you can't I love that you cannot it's certain magic and it's certain um je ne sais quoi or like just a vibe that you get and that attracts you and it's kind of this magnetic force because I I've I basically have posited like you can have two awesome people good good people um have great families and friends, really attractive, smart, witty banter, but there could be zero chemistry. You know right, I mean? Right,
2: right. And it that's to not mean that dating be apps, in it. dating apps can be really tough with that because you only see photos. Like you right. don't get that energy. And I think there's some people that, I don't know, there's definitely people that I've met that I'm like, wow, you look so much better in person than photos. And I could have totally passed you up because of that. And I think there's probably people I just never even met because of that. And I think it's so, it's so hard to tell like all the qualities when you just see like a static photo.
1: That's really true. Well, I mean, now there's like video incorporated into dating apps and, and I'm curious for both of you, like what your experiences with dating apps has been, because I feel like the social acceptability of using dating apps has changed. Obviously we're, we're well into that where it's a very normal thing now, Mm -hmm. but once upon a time it was definitely not. And now, like talking to somebody in person in a in a public space is like, what are you doing? Are you a predator? Right. <laughs> like,
2: it's only, I, I mean, even now it's gone up. We saw there were stats by Bumble and a bunch of the other dating apps that like usage has gone up 20% and just people have been matching a lot more and messaging through all this quarantine too. So I feel like if we felt like in-person meeting was declining before COVID-19, like it's only going to continue.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like what your guys experiences has been? Are you and you? I don't even know. I'm sorry. I don't know relationship statuses. So this is the tea that we're (laughs) spilling. I want to understand
0: (laughs) what's happening,
1: what's going on.
0: DTR. I am in a relationship, a monogamous relationship. We've been together for over a year and a half. So I have not been on the apps for over a year and a half, but we did have a very interesting conversation the other day, Julie and I, and another person in the dating space. And we were kind of talking about how you know, like everyone can meet someone on dating apps and it's kind of socially accepted now, but there's just nothing special about it. Like there's no story attached Mm -hmm. to it. There's no serendipity. And it, there's something about just meeting someone in a random place out in the wild that makes you feel like that person's really special, even though they're not, it makes them feel like they're special because it's contextual. So mm-hmm. I think the future of dating apps, and we were kind of brainstorming on what could dating apps do better, is creating more of that serendipity that could happen in real life and making it happen virtually. So it's not just so sterile, like, oh, we matched and because we had similar interests and we swiped on each other and then we met up. Like Nobody wants to hear that story. Right. anymore. Again, before it used to be like, you found your Tinderella. Right, yeah. right.
2: Yeah. I right. feel <laughs> like now everyone has found their Tinderella. <laughs> <Right. laughs> you know what, though? I, I So I have an interesting story or experience with dating apps is I feel like <laughs> when they first came out, I was single. So I was on Tinder and I remember thinking it was like the greatest thing because I had used like Match before and it was kind of like on Match, you would get this <laughs> message and it would, or you'd send a message. It would just go to like a black hole because it was all through like an email more but then Mm -hmm. with tinder it was just so instantaneous i remember when it first came out i was like this is the best thing ever i have like all these dudes like hitting me up. And I remember I was like super excited because I got a message like within like two seconds of signing up. I like showed my roommate and I'm like, it says DTF. And she's like, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And then I looked it up online. I was like, oh, she's like, I think I'm going to not join Tinder. But anyways, over the years, I feel like I've dated, like gone on a ton of first dates, maybe like first through third dates. Like there was Mm. someone I dated from Match like way back, but when Tinder and like all these more apps came out, I really never met anyone that I dated. Like all the people I actually dated were through friends of friends in real life. Mm -hmm. And I kind of gave up on apps. Like, to be honest, I was like, I just don't really feel like they're worthwhile. Like I go on a lot of dates, but they don't go anywhere. But then Mm -hmm. after um, a significant breakup of mine, I got back on the apps and it was probably like one of the first people I matched with, it was ended up being a boyfriend of mine. And we just like really hit it off even through met, like through chatting. Like, I don't know what it was like, we didn't talk on the phone, we didn't do videos, so we really had no idea beyond just text, but there was something that was very engaging about it.
0: And mm. I remember just
2: feeling super excited to meet him even before we met. Like I went into the date. I remember I, I don't know about you, Benji, if you've done this, or you <laughs> but for a long time, I wouldn't even save people's phone numbers because I'm like, the odds of me actually liking this person is probably so slim. So I might as well not even take that extra two seconds to put their number in my phone to just delete it <laughs> later. So <laughs> with him though, I put his number in my phone because I'm like, I have a good feeling about this one. And I like went there. We really hit it off. It was like one of like the most magical dates I've ever had. And we ended up dating for like four months. And then he actually had to leave the country um, because he lost his visa. So we probably would have kept dating. It was nothing to do with our relationship. But it really did change my perspective on dating apps because we both realized we would never have met each other. Like we had no similar circles of friends or anything like that. So it was Mm. one of those situations where actually you see the benefits of dating apps that it really gets you out of like your zone. And I think one of the benefits of this whole thing with COVID-19 right now is that I'm hoping that it makes us excited to meet people again, because I think that is like something that was very much lost on dating apps. And I'm hoping that people do more pre-screens through videos and phone calls because, you know, it's just dangerous to meet nowadays, right? So (laughs) Are you worth it? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'm making sure that I really like, there's like a pretty good chance we're going to hit it off before I go risk my life to meet some rando. So Mm -hmm. I feel like my hope is that you do more of that pre-screening on both sides and you either realize like nope this isn't a match and then that saves two people a lot of time or both people get excited to actually meet in person and don't have nearly as many prospects and as nearly as many choices because I think the problem right now is that people aren't giving each other enough time
1: Mm, interesting like you mean like presence and attention and investment is that what you mean by time
2: That and I think that has actually been a shift over this period is that people have a lot more time with presence and connections. And we can go into this in more depth. I think that it's been a mixed bag in terms of dating. But I think in terms of like, friends and family and all of that, there's been a lot more like that time and connection. But I think Mm -hmm. time and also like, okay, well, if we didn't have everything that I'm looking for on my checklist after three times, I'm just going to move on to the next person because I have like five dates scheduled this week anyways. So if you're meeting less <laughs> people, it might be like that you can kind of let it unfold a little more naturally and get to know people opposed to like finding like one tiny thing and then being on to the next.
1: Right. I mean, I, I really like that. And I, I just, in general, I think the overarching, um, recognition of shifting priorities in general, whether or not you're in a dating or relationship mindset pre-COVID or during, you know, leading into it. I think naturally because of the state of humanity, I would be surprised if people have not at this point, right. We're like almost three months into, at least, you know, in California, um, we're like three months into having much more time alone and more free time and limited interaction with other people in person lends itself to being like, who do I actually want to see? How right. do I like to spend my time? What's actually important to me? What's worth risking my health for or risking my family's health? for? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so in general, I think it's just a reevaluation of self, but also relationships. And I am I love that positive spin on it because I, I I align with that. I always think that there's going to be bad eggs no matter what the situation is. Oh, yeah. Um, And there's just irresponsible people who will not change in a pandemic or not, will not shift that. But for the larger, I think I, the people I have faith in humanity about, uh, they're going to definitely be like doing a lot of what you're saying. I think that's a very good hypothesis. And for me, like I... I was saying I'm like the serial monogamous. I would always have serious boyfriend after serious boyfriend. And there was like a point in my life in my late 20s, early 30s that I had gone through a really, really gnarly breakup with somebody that I really loved and it just wasn't working out. And I recognized like I've never had time to actually date Mm -hmm. that concept, even like, and that's why I'm curious how it existed for you guys and then how you think that it's morphed now. And we started talking about that. At the time, I mean, like dating What did that even mean? I didn't even know what constituted dating. Does that mean, okay, you meet up and you have conversations, you have like a physical connection, not necessarily hooking up. Does hooking up equate dating? I don't think so. Like no, hooking up is hooking up. That's not dating, right? Um, And I had to figure that out like really quickly with the dating app world.
2: You know what's so interesting is because I feel like we're always looking to like bash the current – but I remember like when Match Match.com came out, or when I shouldn't say when it came out because it came out a long time ago, but when I started using it, I think I was in my like uh, mid 20s. And I remember being like, oh my God, this is what it's like to go on a date. Because like the mm. guy would like take me to a dinner and it would be like very formal, where before it'd be like going out to a bar and like meeting some dude and hooking up. And that mm-hmm. to me does not. Include a date, right? But what's Mm -hmm. been interesting is it went from like super informal to more formal to now it's kind of like a hoggish board, right? It's like (laughs) there's people that are still going on those formal dates, there's people that are just hooking up, there's people that are hanging out, like younger generations apparently like sending a snap or like a TikTok video is dating. So I think it's like the definition is so all over the place.
1: Exactly. There's there is no definition in my opinion.
2: Well, the
0: definition is whatever you and your partner decide is a definition. I think this is why DTR was so big when it first came out because people needed some clarity. They needed to get on the same page with what a relationship is and defining their
2: situationship. But even mm. like, okay, date. this is something I've always struggled with too. It's like when you're, let's say you're dating someone but you haven't like defined the relationship, but you haven't just gone on like one date, would you say that you're dating them? Like that feels like it sounds like you're in a relationship, but maybe you're not. Like it's all a gray area.
0: But can we just be honest here? Maybe it's just me. When you're dating someone, you know. And when you're not really dating someone, you kind of know that too. Like I remember I went on six or seven dates with this guy through a period of like three months. I never felt like we were dating. Mm, that's felt like true. We were hanging out. It felt like it was very casual, but we never really got deep in our relationship. Even though if you were just looking at frequency, you could say, well, I mean, that's, that's pretty decent way of saying that they're dating. So I think you just know, right? That's a
2: good point. And a lot of times like the best DTR conversations are when it's so obvious that you've already been dating and you're just yeah. like, oh yeah, we're, of course we're dating. Like I remember an ex-boyfriend of mine, like we were just like walking down the street. He's just like, you're my girlfriend, right? Like it was so like nonchalant. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like I am, you know, it was so, it wasn't like a discussion, right? Cause it was already there. And I think those are the ones that always seem to fail too. It's when it's not super clear and then one person mm. springs it up and the other person's like, wait, what? <laughs>
1: Right and I think that's a, that I think we should regroup and have a whole DTR <laughs> uh, episode because let me tell you from from that multiple times I've you know been, been in between boyfriends and and done the dating app thing I have in my opinion dated guys and gotten some interesting feedback on their end I was like how does this not constitute dating I'm not saying you're my boyfriend but in my mind it was like I knew but that's why i also learned very mm-hmm. very uh soundly to not assume that and that it does warrant a conversation like that's what adults do that's what a right. person who respects you and a person who respects themselves does versus what i allowed to happen repeatedly not just once but repeatedly to just like sit in the gray area not want to rock the boat, feeling mm-hmm. mad, awkward, self-conscious, even though it's like, to me, all arrows pointed to like, we're dating. We hang out multiple times a week. We hook up. We you text me every day. You say good morning, whatever. Like all these things to me, cues that indicate we're dating. Okay. I'm not saying we're exclusive boyfriend, girlfriend, and you meet your family right now. But when I, then I had the guts and I had the actual courage to bring it up to said person. They'd be like, oh, we're just like, we're kicking it. And I'm like, excuse me?
2: Yeah, that's the problem, though. There's no guidelines anymore. Right. Because like some people could text every day just because they're bored. Right. Exactly. Or, like, exactly. Now, especially with COVID-19, like we have people ask all the time, like, oh, I went on an eight hour Zoom date with him and I never heard from him again. And it's like, well, time at this point doesn't mean anything. But I do think people are going to start to define the relationships a lot more and have more of these discussions because of COVID nineteen, just because of health and like the fact that they're going to have to. Where before it was a lot more ambiguous because we didn't have to deal with that. Right.
0: I, I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt that they they know they only know what they know, which in this case or in any of these cases. People's definition of what is dating could be, it's solely dependent on what they think dating is from their past.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: maybe mm-hmm. taking it to him is dating in his mind, or um, seeing someone three days in a row is a relationship for someone else. I think this is so why you were saying, and like, it's so important to have these conversations when you're partnering up with someone, even if it's not exclusive, just to get on the same page. I remember dating someone my boyfriend in in, um, Beijing, and I've talked about this before, we had very different definitions of what cheating is. And I I always thought it was very black and white. But when he kind of brought out why he thought something was not cheating, for example, swiping on dating apps without acting upon it, without without meeting up, he didn't think that was cheating. But to me, that was cheating. But we never, I faulted him for what, what was my standards and what I knew, but not what he knew.
1: How do you how do you justify that? I've been in sticky, similar sticky situations with dating relationships, ambiguous relationships and with serious boyfriends, because mm-hmm. that's where I do think criteria and definitions matter. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've been on the receiving side of that, too. Right. That I've been caught in my own hypocrisy of like, well, you know, like I say a certain thing, but I kind of act to another. And how how do we set a standard, though? Because to me, I agree with you. If, like, mm-hmm. someone's swiping while they're in a relationship...
2: Yeah. No. <laughs>
1: fuck out of here. No, that's <laughs> cheating. You know what I mean? Like, you're introducing whatever, risk, temptation, communication. You're also publicly putting... If you're on a dating app, you are, to whoever is interacting with your profile, letting them assume that you're available to be had. So right. I could go on about this. I can right. make my little case. <laughs> but... Right. uh How, how, how have you done? I mean, you are the relationship coach, right? How would you walk through yourself and your, your ex at that point? Like, how would you walk through that?
0: I think everything has to come from a place of love. So the first thing I did was not come from a place of love, but from a place of pride. I was like, you motherfucker. If my coworkers see you on this fucking dating app and they think that you're cheating on me, I'm going to fucking kill you. I mean, that's like how I spoke to him and he was like, okay, well, I guess we're done. <laughs> but in hindsight, looking at back, back at the situation, because I had never been in something like that, I think one, you just have to be really empathetic. I wanted to understand, I, later when I settled down, I really wanted to understand what was going through his head. And culturally, and you have to understand, contextually, this changes kind of all the definitions. A lot of married men are on dating apps in China, not for cheating, but purely for attention. And when, you, when other women see you, uh, local women, the first question they ask you is, are you available or are you just looking?
2: Oh, and, wow. And
0: that's, that was really fascinating to me because even on a dating app, when you see someone's photo, doesn't necessarily mean they're available. It just means that it's just they're there purely for vanity swipes or whatever it may be. And he had been, he's not Chinese. He wasn't born in China, but he had been in China for over 10 years. So he, it was already really deeply ingrained in him. And to him, he had he hadn't done anything wrong to me he had basically cheated on me like that's basically he had slept with mm-hmm. some woman that that was already i already made up my mind so this is this is the conversation we always encourage couples to have even in situations where let's say one person brings up a fetish that you think is absolutely weird and disgusting well, you shouldn't shun away your partner. First and foremost, you have to come from a place of empathy and love and ask, what is it about this that turns you on? And you have to kind of form, I mean, relationship is a dance, right? And you have to just dance your way to a place, to a dance routine that you feel really comfortable with. And if you are not ultimately comfortable, then you have to get out of the relationship. But it's not about faulting your partner, it's more about just learning more about your partner. Right.
1: And, and yourself too. I think it's like having mm -hmm. your boundaries and in that, in that, what you're saying, I think there's also the empathy and love for yourself that like, if you're really not okay with it to be okay, because I've been in positions where I would overcompromise my own self in order to please the other person trying Mm -hmm. to cater to what, and that gets really dicey.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. you definitely can't do that. But I think one of the most fascinating things we've done in our podcast too, like if we're going back to early dating is we've had these kind of like, he said, she said, um, interviews like about a date. Like we did one that was an exit interview and it was basically this guy that had gone on like hundreds of first dates that didn't go anywhere and he didn't know why. So we called up like his past dates and all of them he wanted to see again and all of them felt like he didn't want to see them again. It was mm-hmm. just one of those like crazy mismatch perceptions. And mm-hmm. I think what we've learned over this is that people interpret things very, very differently. And someone can walk out of a date being like, that was the best date of my life. And other people are like, what the hell? And that's why I think there's so many hurt feelings. And that's why people ghost. And that's why like we have situations where... I mean, mo- more extreme is like we have someone that thinks that this type of swiping is okay and the other that doesn't. So I think it really does come down to all of our personal per- uh, personal perceptions. But where you, I think, can get an, a level up in dating is you do take that step back and try to be empathetic of the other person and not mm-hmm. make those assumptions. And I'm not saying that you should sacrifice yourself by any means, but it might be giving the benefit of the doubt once or something and at least making it vocal what your expectation is and then seeing how they come through because no one's a mind reader and we can't expect people to be.
1: Oh, you're, you're like speaking to the person that I mean, I've gone through so many relationships. I'm just this is a very also recent conversation with my therapist recognizing a perceived reality of myself, which is that I'm a good communicator. Mm. And I'm mixing that up because when it comes to public speaking, if we're on a podcast, if I'm talking Mm -hmm. with friends, I do think I'm a good communicator. I think I can get my thoughts out pretty clearly. I, you know, if I have an emotion, like I can convey that. However, caveat relationships, (laughs) when it comes to Mm -hmm. the most tender part of my heart and Mm -hmm. the thing that can be hurt the most the quickest the most and the most long lasting um not so much you know like that's that's taking a that's I feel like segmenting you have to like really look at you can't just like across the board be like I'm a great communicator operate under that mindset and assume that like I'm a great communicator so if something goes wrong here that's your bad Mm because I'm good And, um, it's been very sobering for me, very humbling for, you know, to say the least to say, okay, yeah, in this area, I I do think I'm a strong communicator can always improve, but here actually not so good because I have held a lot in, I've definitely been guilty of the, like wanting the, my partner to be a mind reader or just like coerce it out of me or Uh care enough quote unquote to do that. And, and just assuming like, okay, well, you didn't even ask. And then that other person can be like, well, you didn't volunteer that. Like, if you care about this relationship, why did not you <laughs> offer it? And I'm like, that's not my job. And then it comes to expectations, right? Like, gender roles, expectations, what you were influenced by culturally, etc. Like, I'm waiting for Prince on a White Horse to, like, save the day and save me and all the things. And I'm like, as a grown woman now, I'm like, oh, yeah. honey, no. Oh, oh no. no.
0: Well,
2: oh, I no. think that, I agree with you. I think that's actually how I've evolved the most over my I guess, dating life, if you want to call it that. Uh, And I think a lot of it has to do with the podcast, just because we've heard all these different like perception stories and how different people view different things. And I've realized that people really don't view things the same at all. Mm. And you can never, um, you can never go into a relationship. I think the hardest part is going in and recognizing that you view things one way and this other person that you're forming something with operates completely differently. And I think the part I've struggled with the most over my life is like communicating my needs and what I need in a relationship. And I had I actually recently ended a relationship over this quarantine period. It was from an ex of mine from five years ago. We broke up like four years ago and rekindled our relationship over this quarantine to see if we could make it work. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: one of the things that was really great actually about quarantine is that it forced us to have a lot of conversations and not be together physically. So we really just put it all out on the table. And I remember him being like, wow, you've gotten really good at this. And I'm like, yeah, I've been doing a (laughs) podcast for four years. (laughs) But I, it was something that I struggled with when we were first together because I like didn't know how to. I didn't even know what my needs were, yet alone communicate yeah. them. And then yeah. I expected him to be a mind reader. I expected him, like you were just saying, to like pull away and him know that I'm angry or something, opposed to just being like, this is what's going on for me. And I also think I always thought of it being like conflict was bad. And if we, if I raised my needs and he didn't agree with them, then we would just end where I think what I've learned over doing datable is that conflict is inevitable. Like these are two different people that are coming to a relationship that have different views. Like we're going to see things differently. As I was mentioning, it's how do you work with that person to overcome that conflict?
1: Yeah, that's real.
0: Who, Minji, I don't <laughs> even know what's your, what's your situation right now.
1: My situation is I, I'm not, I guess I don't know what would be defined as fresh, but I ended a serious relationship in December. And it was a two year relationship and we lived together. So it was very serious and there was a lot of ups and downs, um, a lot of really, really good things and a lot of really challenging things. But at the end of the day, you know, it was all to be matured, right? Like for me to face a lot of really unsavory but also like learning how to truly love myself it's Mm -hmm. all of it right um I think that's what you know the mature centered person in me can look back at every relationship including this last one and be like yeah that's what it was for um and not have bitterness and and pain but then like yeah that was like six months ago so it's Mm. been it was it's rough but I weirdly felt like quarantine came at a great time just to be isolated and to be on my own and to learn how to be alone again um but every breakup and every relationship is so different like I'm in my 30s now right and I feel like my uh my needs have changed Julie I'm right there with you in terms of being (laughs) clear with myself about what I need um because that was something I learned in the last relationship was to articulate that and to accept that I was changing in the in the course of the relationship Mm -hmm. I was not the same girl walking in. I mean, there are certain things that I cringe at when we first started, when I first got into that relationship where my mind was at, but that's where I was at. I'm also accepting that, you know, that's right. what can you do about it? Like it. it I made mistakes and I also just was like trying to be truthful to myself. The other person didn't like certain things. They did like certain things. We were both just like head over heels. So when you're in that headspace and in that emotional state, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of logic and practicality just flies out the freaking window. So I don't know, man, I'm I'm definitely really thinking of relationships for sure. Dabbling in the, I've been in the app space and it's just, it's <laughs> funny to be back in the rodeo.
2: Well, I think you're hitting, it. you're hitting it <laughs> at a really interesting time too, because I mean, I admit that I haven't been super in it because I was working through a past relationship but in the last couple weeks I've been back in it just I've been dipping my toe in I think I'm like everyone's worst nightmare right now cuz I'll like match with you and then I won't chat back cuz I'm like not fully <laughs> there and <laughs> and I'm like I'm everything that I hate but I'm doing it I get it I again I'm empathizing with those people so next time when I swipe on someone I really like and they don't hit me back I'll just be like yep they're dealing with something you know Good they are them. yeah exactly they're Exactly. But I think one of the things that we're hearing right now with dating apps is very fascinating. I think this quarantine has given people a lot of time to simmer, which has been great. Like, I think, um, I don't know about you, but like after a breakup, I've definitely taken that time to just be alone. And but now everyone's forced to do that. Like they kind of like if you've never done that before and you've never done that exercise, like you just did it by default, because you mm-hmm. had to. And mm-hmm. it, it's sitting with your emotions, especially if you're like living alone, or with roommates that you're not super digging, like that can be really intense for people. But I think that's actually when the best self work happens. So again, my hope is that like the cream of the crop will rise out of this quarantine, because they've done that self work. Yeah. And we've heard a lot of people say like, hey, I'm ready for a relationship like this has given the light of how important relationships are. And before maybe I thought my business or my, I don't know, like, our life or whatever it was, was like the most important thing to me. And I've realized that it's not. So I think there are those people. And then I think there's like the people that I don't know if you've seen this, but I've, I've had people like ask me to hang out. And I'm like, we have barely talked and haven't done a video chat. Like I'm not going to go risk my life to meet you. So I think there's the people that haven't evolved through this too. So it's probably the same at the end of the day, sifting through (laughs) it and finding the right people. But I'm hoping that more and more, them are going to come out evolved
1: i love you julia i think that's such an optimistic <laughs> and very gracious way to put it I, and ultimately i agree with you there's definitely some dumbass people i'm gonna say it they're you like judge oh, yeah
2: because i judge them Hell i'm like yeah. look i'm like if you're trying to meet up with me so fast i'm not the only one you're trying to do this to. so
1: 100 <laughs> and i ask i'm like so because i say no well actually even before i say no because i'm gonna say no but i'm like <laughs> Oh, have you been meeting up with people and they're like, yeah, I mean, here and there. And like, and it's so true. I appreciate the transparency. Look, like, I'm glad you're honest at
2: least. Yeah.
1: But you just, you dumb. Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then we've heard of people just totally being like, I'm giving up until this resolves. Because mm-hmm. especially, it's interesting. There was a stat on uh, the dating app shift that more women are using dating apps right now than men. And probably because men can't get laid, right? Like not to generalize, but that is a piece of it. And the emotional connection that women are looking for. And what they said, though, is this is the opportunity for real relationship minded men to really rise up because there might be more or like less, like more, less competition for them and they can see it. And it's also the opportunity for women to have some of the people weeded out by default. But then mm. we have also heard of people that are just like, what's the point if I'm never going to beat someone like it's going to be like a black hole too there. So I totally get that side, too. So it's a very interesting time and still a lot of confusion, I think, until we really enter a new normal. Absolutely. I agree. It's, it's going to be – I mean,
1: there's a lot of other things as well where I was explaining just my mental capacity in general in life, my mental and emotional capacity, because that in general has become the thing that I have to check in on yeah. much more frequently than I used to, right? And so as I'm doing these temperature checks – Thankfully, I think the silver lining is my tolerance for bullshit has continued to go down. And <laughs> that to me is a good sign because, and that's just, that's life. You know, you go through experiences so you, that you can learn what you don't like so that it further carves out what you do like. So when it appears before you, you can identify it pretty damn fast. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. yes, sign me up. But um <laughs> otherwise, I just feel like, you know, there's been a lot of political, cultural turmoil that I care a lot about. And that Mm -hmm. is something that affects me. And I, I'm active in the Asian American community. We just had Asian heritage month and Mm -hmm. I had a lot of stuff going on for that. And so in general, like taking a step back to recognize, Hey, wherever you're at on top of the fact that we're in pandemic and everything, but like where you're at and prioritizing dating itself in terms of what it'll take out of you in the grander scheme of things, like that's okay. And I, I love Julie that you said that when you like swipe on people and you don't take it as personally anymore because you're like, oh, you're just, you're just not there. Like you're just, yeah. you have mm-hmm. a thing that you're dealing with. I feel the same way, and I'm giving myself that same. I'm telling you, this has been the best time for self love to respect oh, yeah. my own mm-hmm. time, my own energy, because I have such little energy to give to like some nonsensical <laughs> idiot who's like down to risk my life and others. Yeah for a stupid hookup, like, get out of here. So we
2: saw at the beginning that everyone was like all about the dating apps and going on video dates. And I think it was like when things were first starting out and then over time it started to decline a bit. And I think at first it was like, well, this is such an optimal time to be dating. Everyone's so focused. But we do have to remember that there is a pandemic happening and there's a lot of shit going on in the world. And it's okay if you're not there either. Like if you don't Mm -hmm. want this to get in your search for love, there is a lot of virtual ways and ways that you can kind of adapt. But if you're just need a break, like be okay with that. And that's totally fine. For
0: sure. I think this has been such an insightful time for people to come to terms with the fact that they were dating as a form of distraction. And I think this is a (sighs) a coming, calming down and just being in this peace and quiet at home is a great way to come to that realization. And I always equate it to like going to a concert and then, And then juxtapose that with going home and being home alone and just having that like ringing in your ears. Mm -hmm. I think that's what the first month felt like for a lot of people where they're kind of itchy, like, oh, I used to have so many dates and I was swiping blah, blah, blah. And then after the first month, I think people really calmed down and said, actually, I don't really need that in my life. That's -hmm. that's just a distraction.
2: And this is a good time to find more clarity.
1: I love that.
2: And I hope we don't go back to the old way of dating because- there, I mean, as much as there, like we're we kind of we're kind of going going full circle from the beginning of this conversation. Like there is beauty in modern dating. Like we pointed out that people can create the relationships they want, but there's a lot of reasons why people are like modern dating's the worst or modern dating sucks because there's a lot of bullshit that's involved too. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if we can now create the type of dating experience we want like why would we go back to the past when people are going out with all these people that they can't keep track of and ghosting left and right like that wasn't ideal either and i think we can't forget that and it's time that we just create what we want to create more
1: i love you guys
2: i just feel
1: (laughs) just feel like i had such a like wonderful therapy session of so many things and I just really appreciate that you guys take the time to record and investigate and, and get, you know, experiential anecdotes that really ring true with the, like, it's the tough stuff. It's the great stuff. I mean, I could go on for days and days and days about how wonderful it is to just connect with somebody or be attracted to somebody and have that little twinkle in your eye because you have a crush or whatever. Like there's so many great parts. And so it's not just to like shit all over it right but it is it is a tough thing because i think you're putting something extremely valuable on the line and that's your heart and your time and your mm-hmm. feelings so it's not you know to take it lightly and the fact that you guys invest so much energy into having these narratives or like the, and the evolving narratives right because it's not a stagnant mm-hmm. thing it's like in and of itself it's a very culture driven uh situation I just appreciate that you guys have this podcast and you guys are getting such great guests like Mark Manson. And I, I really want to go listen to that episode because um, so I'm good. reading his book and we'll right have now. You
2: soon. Minji will have Minji right up hey. with Mark Manson.
1: Oh my God. That's, that's,
2: ah. <laughs> but I think you so, okay. hit it well. It's like at the end of the day, we wouldn't, okay. Dating isn't, is sometimes very challenging. Right. But at the end of the day, the, The end result is so beautiful. Like when you do have that relationship, I know even for myself, even the relationships that haven't worked out, like those are some of my fondest memories in my life. Mm
0: -hmm. And there's a
2: reason why we go through all this, right? So I think if we can help people realize that they're not as alone and change their perspective, that's the best way that you can kind of adapt to dating and get to that end journey that you're going through.
1: I love it. Before we, before we close out the episode, I do really like you, you've been such a wonderful supportive ear to Julie and my dating journeys. And I'm curious because you are the one that is partnered up. And I'm really curious to put that out there for, there's a lot of people who listen, who are in quarantine with their significant other, or they're in a serious relationship and maybe not quarantine, but I'm curious, like, What, what has your takeaways been for being in a relationship in this moment? And how do you think that, I mean, what is it you wish for or hope for in the future?
0: I really have learned so much about relationships. I think this has been an incubator for our relationship Mm. in some ways. What I've really learned is that the first step you should do in anything is to observe. Don't judge, don't act, just observe. And in the conflicts that we've had throughout this time like all the couples have, I think what I've really observed is as soon as you start feeling like the resentment resentment is building or you're feeling uncomfortable about the situation due to not the current situation but through past events, that's when you really need to address it because I think like what happened before the quarantine was for a lot of couples, if something starts bubbling up, you can, easily just walk away or go to work or do something to distract you. But now you're kind of in this focused time with each other. And you really can't do that. There is no out, you can't escape. So you really have to address address some of this resentment building before it gets to the building part. Mm -hmm. And a lot of couples are suffering from what I think I, what I made a mistake of doing in the beginning of our relationship was just wanting the quarantine to go smoothly at the expense of addressing some of our deeper issues. Mm. And, you know, and then towards the end, it starts building up and then it just makes it worse. So what I've really learned from this experience is resentment building is the ultimate, ultimate detriment to any relationship.
2: Wow. Amen to that one. <laughs> Dave, <again. laughs>
1: can I second and third and, and fourth and fifth? Back. I think that's that's really powerful. And I I do, you know, I think in my si- being single, there have been moments of loneliness where I did envy, you know, having a companion and having a company that I can cuddle up with and feel soothed by. But it's always that kind of grass is greener thing. And it is really tough. You know, some people can look at that and be like, oh, I don't have anybody to... You know, hug mm-hmm. and kiss, but it's like, yeah, you also don't have someone to argue with and be like, why do you do it that way?
2: <laughs> I think mm-hmm. everyone is struggling in different ways. Like, parents are struggling. Like, there's just people that are haunting with their family of different struggles. Like, literally, I think you said it well the grass is greener. So, mm-hmm. when you're feeling down, I think it's good, again, to have that perspective that it's not always 100% for someone else either. Right. And
0: then, G, I know we'll be talking about this topic a little bit more when you come on our show, but I always, Live by the rule that I much rather be lonely by myself than lonely in a relationship.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. I really think that's the worst feeling in the world. Yes, absolutely.
1: And it's it's a lot. And as we mentioned earlier, you know, we continue to change as people. And that's going to be always kind of like a tough thing to navigate because you don't know what your future version is going to be. So the Mm -hmm. only thing you can really do, as cliche as it is, and I think we're learning it ad nauseum right now in quarantine, is. Be now, be here now, like, and, and, um, you know, have visions. Like I'm also trying not to cut myself off from like having hopes or dreams or visions or I think the word expectations can be a tough thing to, to Mm. digest sometimes because that can become a slippery slope. Um, But like, yeah, I have aspirations of how I want things to be, but really all we can do is focus on here and now and try to lay the bricks in front of us as as well as we can because I'm like, yo, I can't go down that rabbit hole right now. I'll just spiral. (laughs) It's not good. (laughs) Absolutely. We'll all be okay. I, I just appreciate you so much. And can you please plug again your podcast and where people can listen in, follow you guys?
2: Yeah, I mean pretty much any podcast player like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Rich, Stitcher Radio, Overcast. We're pretty much on any podcast app. And you can also go to our website, datablepodcast.com or at Dateable Podcast on Instagram.
1: Awesome. Um, do you guys want to plug your personals or no? Just go to the go straight to the podcast.
2: You ain't can. I don't really have a personal Instagram. (laughs) Our podcast is enough.
1: (laughs) Okay. All good. I love this. Laser focus. I love it. Well, I I appreciate you both so much. This was like one of the most fun conversations I've had in a while. And I love that it's with two amazing, smart women who have so much to share with the world. So thank you. Thanks for
0: having us on. And we can't wait to have you on ours. Thank you. It's going to be really fun. Yeah, for Such sure.
1: Such a good conversation. Um, and think, yes, we'll have more. I swear, this is like the beginning um, of many. I'm like, oh, DTR, let's talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> but before we get... <laughs> Before we start another hour, uh, we'll, we'll close this episode out. And if you enjoy this episode, please do share it with a friend. We covered some real, I, I am like, I'm going to be sitting in this one for a while because there's a lot to digest and in a great way. So if you were inspired, educated, whatever, like, please share it with a friend because there is so much more to to dig into this topic. We can never have enough time. Um, but thank you to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. Thank you to Aquafina for use of her song Yellow Ranger for the intro. Thank you to Jennifer for Chung for her song I Forgive You I'm Sorry it's a gorgeous new song I hope you'll listen to it that is our song for the outro and hope you enjoy it I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective which is a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers please go check out all of the other podcasts there's some really funny hilarious meaningful content out there and and uh, yeah, you can find me on all, this, all the podcast platforms as well. So look me up if you want to talk. Email me, first of all, pod at gmail.com. Follow me at first of all, pod. Or you can follow my personal page too, at Minjeezy. That closes out this episode of First of All. Thank you again to Yue and to Julie for being amazing guests. And go check out their podcast. I forgive the way you always seem to ask for more. I forgive the days you walked away and left me cold I forgive you, forgive you I'm sorry it took this long
0: Kathy, Kim! Steve, what's going on?
1: Tell me, what do you
0: know about K-dramas? Oh, um, they have something to do with the drama that comes from K-Cup Coffee Pots? Cause you know they're bad for the environment? Uh, no. Oh, you mean Korean dramas? Yeah, I know
1: that they are very grounded in reality. No! That's actually the opposite of what happens. It it sounds like you don't know anything about K-dramas. Yeah, I was just guessing. That's actually perfect. Remember Will, Phil, and Joanna did that Korean drama podcast?
0: Yeah, they saw Boys Over Flowers.
1: Yes, and people apparently listened to it and want another season. But Will and Phil are still recovering from that season.
0: Oh my god, are they okay? I did hear they tried to give themselves amnesia. Oh, is that a K-drama thing?
1: Yeah, pretty much. So... Are you guys down to help out with the new season of the Korean Drama Podcast?
0: So we're going to be watching a K-drama this time? Which one?
1: Secret Garden from 2010. It was a big hit. And if you're down, check out the Korean Drama Podcast
0: at koreandramapod.com. Am I going to see Sauna Towel Buns?